What is up, glowing girls and guys? Girl You're Glowing is a space where we get candid about dating, sex, relationships, grief, addiction, mental health, and motherhood. Girl You're Glowing is about that feeling you get when you start to heal from the inside out. Whether it's learning your worth in relationships, setting boundaries in your personal life, or even discovering your purpose and healing from the past. We're all here to discover and uncover together. Hi guys, welcome back to Grow Your Glowing Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am so, so, so excited about this week's guest and what we're talking about. We're talking about money. (laughs) Um, This is something that I feel like we all need to have more conversations about. Laura really goes into her debt journey with her husband. She talks about how they got out of debt. She talks about how they created residual and passive income for their family. And she is not afraid to get raw and unfiltered and talk numbers, which is my favorite kind of conversation. She's a hoot. I think you guys are going to love her. This is actually a two-part series. So I'm going to play the very first part for you and I hope that you enjoy. Yay, we're going. We are recording. (laughs) Okay, so Laura, I'm just going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on who you are. Okay, well, my name is Laura Bell, and I am married to my high school sweetheart, Cody, and we have two kiddos, Emmy Lou and Oaks. Um, Together, Cody and I have a real estate business where we buy kind of dumpy houses and we fix them up and then we rent them out to people and we just keep doing that um it's yeah, houses <laughs> yes yeah, just buy crap houses and make them not crappy anymore um, together we live on um my family's farm in north alabama we live in a very small farm community called new harmony um and it is there that we work for a company called World Tree, where we plant the fastest growing hardwood in the world um, under a program called the Eco Farmer Program, where we are helping like replenish um, the air to be cleaner air and offset carbon footprints and redistribute nitrogen to the soil, just making the soil the way it was created to be made. Um, and then I am a young living brand partner and I'm a blogger and a podcaster and I'm very busy. I keep my hands in a lot of fires, but that's and a you're time. a mama. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if you said that, but also yes. you are a mama. That is important because yes. you are juggling a yes. lot. <laughs> yes. I have two small kids and, um, and life is very chaotic when you have kids under three years old. So. Yeah. Well, especially when you're working, um, and you're just so divided, you know, Mm -hmm. all of your time is divided between all of these different things, your partner, your kids, your work, just everything. So I commend you. I feel like you're doing so much. It's like, what are you not doing right now? Um, okay. So the reason why I wanted you on this podcast is because, okay. So we, for anyone who doesn't know some backstory, Laura and I have been friends for what, like two, two and a half years now. I feel like I feel like you've become one of my best friends. I feel like I feel like you're so inspiring and a lot of what to me is really inspiring is just your story behind like finances and just how much you talk about money. Like I think it is so important because so many women 
just people in general, but I think especially women are afraid to talk about money. Um, I think in general, there are a lot of people who are in debt. There's people who don't understand like how to budget. And I feel like that's something that you are so good at. And I know that you can bring value to others. So I really want to like hone into that and focus on that. And so I want to ask you, tell us, talk to us about your debt story. And, um, also I want to know, like from back all the way back into your childhood, like what was your understanding of like money and financial literacy and all of that? Because I feel like most of us did not grow up with that. Right. Right. Okay. So if you're going to go into my story in my life, um, I grew up in a two parent household. Um, my dad is an entrepreneur, has always been a businessman. Um, I have a lot of him in me in the way that I wear a lot of hats in a lot of different places. Um, when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade, he went back to school while running his businesses and he is now a political science professor and has these side businesses that he does side quote unquote, they are full-time income. He calls being a professor businesses. (laughs) He calls him his, his professor job is his fun job. Um, and so it's his, it's his, you know, whatever money, but growing up, I actually very much learned, um, what it's like to experience highs in business and lows, because that's how our family kind of had to operate. My mom was predominantly a stay-at-home mom. She is also a licensed social worker, so she would work part-time in social work jobs. But for the most part, it was my dad. So a lot of times we would have really great seasons and really hard seasons. And I was always very aware. My parents were always like, that ain't in the budget. We ain't spending that money. You know, we were very middle class, sometimes lower middle class, um, just kind of depended on the season. Um, and I think the thing that really marked me the most in like my growing up years was my high school years. So the last three years of high school was like in the height of the recession in America, when the housing market crashed, when things started to look really rough for a lot of people. And my family, especially my senior year, my dad's business took a massive hit because for anyone who doesn't know much about this, when all of this went down, the banks started closing in on people. And instead of people who normally paid their month to month mortgages on their houses, they were like, 30 days, the entire note is due or we take your house. And that started happening to people all over the US credit card companies were doing the exact same thing. So this happened to my family. They did it to cars, houses, my dad's um, business. Had a, he had a lot of business debt and um, it nearly took everything from us. Um, and that was my senior year of high school. So within that time frame, I actually took Financial Peace University um, as an elective in high school. I was very aware of money. I was very aware of how it can disappear. I was very aware of how traumatizing it can be to lose all the things in your life and what what that can ha- how that can affect people. Um, I even remember my dad having a conversation with me saying like, I may file for bankruptcy and I want you to know what this will look like if I choose to do this. And what, um, did, you, what did he say it would look like? So I'm just curious, like I'm from your perspective as a child, you're like, what's going to change? When my dad sat me down for this conversation, basically what he laid out was like, if I file for bankruptcy, this is going to destroy my credit for 10 years. This is going to put my name in the newspaper. They're going to basically, they put your name in the newspaper if you file for bankruptcy. Oh my gosh. Yes. And they basically like let everyone know, like this person isn't paying their debts. Way to like spit on someone when they're down. Like they're down, right? 
Exactly. Um, and this actually, my dad never filed. Um, he decided against it and it was a really hard couple of years. You want to talk to a real person who is a true, true badass when it comes to paying off debt it is my parents. I have so much respect for them. Um, because they walked through a really hard time with that. But my dad basically sat me down and was like, I'm considering choosing this because like, if I don't like this, this a lot could be taken from us yeah. because I'm not able to pay the full note on a credit card. I can't pay a full note on, you know, our, our, the crazy story of how my dad was able to save our house. Like we almost lost our house. Just a lot went down. Um, within my senior year, I can remember sitting at a table in at my school and we were all sitting around the table. And one of our friends got up to go into the cafeteria. And when she got up to leave, a guy sitting at the table was like, I saw her dad's name in the paper this morning. They filed bankruptcy. Like, are y'all dealing with this? Is everybody okay? Like it was, we were so aware that this was happening to like, not just her, not just her dad, but like everyone. And so it was super real and it was super heavy. And my parents were just like straight up upfront with me about it from the get-go. Um, and I think because my mom was like, you don't need to be fooled into thinking that we can give you something mm-hmm. that we just can't give you, period. And so that was wonderful to a degree, but it also caused a lot of fear in my life. And it caused me to be um, hyper-conscious and in some ways just like petrified to spend any money because I was scared mm-hmm. of losing everything. Um, very, very real for my life. So took Dave Ramsey in high school, throughout college, I worked multiple jobs. I never spent a semester without more than one job. Um, graduated with about $8,500 in savings and like no debt, paid for a car, like all the things, right? So you out of college with no debt. Yes, no debt. Um, I went to the college where my dad taught and I got like, I think it was like 75 or 80% tuition. And so my parents paid for okay. me to go to college. Um, not a lot. There have been moments throughout my adulthood that my mom's like, just in case you don't know, we're real thankful you went to that school. <laughs> so, so it's so sweet. And it's like, you know, a very real thing. I went to, I did not go to my school of choice. I went to a school that. Was- I mean, yeah, those are like, those are the sacrifices that we have to make. I mean, I like, no one was going to pay for me to go to college. So I had to go to a community college. And then like, once I was able to transfer, I was like, okay, I guess I can take out loans to live for two years. Yep. Um, and then I would find scholarships and all of those things to like help pay for the other two years. But it's like, those are just the decisions that we have to make. And I think so many people, you know, when it comes to finances, so many people are like, well, I have to go to the school. And for me, I've always been like, but do you? Cause it's a choice. I know a lot of people who graduated and now they're like $50,000 in debt just because they, they decided to go to a school that was like a name school. And I'm like, was it worth it? Yes. You're preached to about getting your college experience and decorating your dorm room and doing all the things. And like reality is, is that if you can't afford it, you just, you either go into debt or you make a new choice. And I did not originally go to um, the school that I graduated from. I went to Nashville to my dream school. And after one semester, I was like, this is bad. Like, I can't, I can't do this. And my parents can't do this. And I'm not going to do this to them. And so I knew it would be covered if I left. And so I moved back home and went to, um, I actually lived on the, on campus at this school. Um, that was like one fight I had with my parents was I was like, if I'm going to this school, I'm living on campus. I'm not living with you. 
I'm moving out. Yeah, so my period is the time for like self exploration and just like Pete, like getting away from your parents and having some independence. So, okay, so I want to, I want to flash forward. So we have like an understanding of like how you grew up, your parents, like all of that, where you went to school, but like, okay, how did you, how did you get to a point where you accrued debt then? If you were so hyper aware of finances and you experienced what your family went through, tell us, tell us where it happened for you. I got married to someone oh. with a crap ton of debt. Okay. So Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So Cody and I were high school sweethearts. We dated all through college and we literally got married the week after we graduated from college. We were 22 years old. We were very young. We were, did things very outside the norm, which is how we've always lived our lives is doing everything that nobody else is doing. And it's fine. But, um, Cody was, raised in a very similar household as me, except his parents didn't talk to his, to him as much about money. They had a little bit more like average. His mom was a nurse. His dad worked in hospital food services. Like they, they were just kind of that on the go family. They ate out all the time. They didn't really talk about it as much. They always had nice cars and nice things like the Plunkets. That's my maiden name. Like the Plunkets, we drove clunkers. We like, we were the people (laughs) who like we truly lived in our means and the bells did too as well, but their household just always looked different and they didn't talk about it as much. Yeah, I don't just different conversations surrounding money, different ideas, different storylines surrounding money. Yeah. 100%. So when Cody went to school, um, he got a scholarship for baseball, um, to college. It wasn't a lot. It was a small private Christian college, which is a ton of money to go to oh, yeah. and he took it cause he wanted to play baseball. And, um, I think, you know, when I look back on it, I think there may have been a conversation like you take this out, we'll pay it later, but I don't know that it ever panned out that way. And that's okay. Like he chose to take out that debt. He chose to go to that school. Um, But when he went to college, like a lot of us, credit card companies start sending you credit cards in the mail. And so Mm -hmm. Cody's like, hey, I got a credit card. And they're like, well, everybody has credit card debt. So he started using his credit card and not paying it back. And Okay, before we continue this, can we talk about how amazing and also harmful credit cards can be? Yes, they're incredible and they're horrible all in one. (laughs) Yeah, all in one. It's a love-hate relationship. Um, Because I grew up in a very similar situation where it was like, oh, credit cards, you know, they're like evil. Um, Where it sounds like Cody saw a credit card as um, an adventure, like as a means to be able to buy things that he needed that he maybe couldn't afford. And I think too often we have these like extreme ideas of, of credit cards and no one talks about how like you really should only be using a credit card to a certain point where you know you can pay it back. Like for me, I pay my credit card back every single day. I use it to build credit, to get points back. Um, But when you're using a credit card to pay for things that you actually can't afford, that can be really damaging. So it sounds like that's what Cody was doing. 100% is what he was doing. (laughs) And he, he bought, you know, he bought this really nice truck in college and had a family member co-sign with him and um, I will go into that and how stupid Did it is. Did ever think like I'm going to have to pay this stuff back or no? No, I think he did. He He's a very hard worker. He, okay. all, he worked all through college. He worked insane jobs in college. Like I don't think I know a single soul and I have a very hard working father who my dad would say it to no one can outwork Cody Bell. No one can outwork him. Like he's an unbelievably hard worker, but he just had more debt than he could 
respond yeah. to, right? And he took out student loan debt. I mean, think about student loans. You take it out. You don't have to think about it. You just get this money and then you go on with your time. And then all of a sudden, bam, like post-graduation, it's time to pay that back. So throughout his time, it was like credit card and car payments and whatever. Like that was just kind of what he was doing and he was kind of making it with that. But overall it was, it was going to bite him in the rear end. And that was when we got married, when it all came crashing down. (laughs) Okay. So how much debt did Cody have when you guys got married? Okay. So when we got married, he had 72,000 in student loans and, um, there was a credit card. I should have double checked with him before we started this. There was a credit card that was like, think it was like $3,500, $3,800 on a credit card. So he had over a hundred grand in debt. Um, not almost, not quite. Almost. Um, okay. So we had, um, sorry, 3,800, not 38,000, 3,800. Um, and so, yeah, it was that. And then there was like a car payment. It just, I don't know how much the car payment was now that I look back on it. I don't even remember. Those were the first two things that we tackled was the credit card in the car. Um, but yeah, so it was a special, special ride because right at graduation, um, Cody immediately got a job with the company that he had been interning for. Um, and they paid him like a whopping 27,000 a year. Um, and that was before taxes. Wait, how many years ago was this? This was in 2014. Oh my God. Yeah. Ooh, that would never, ever fly in California. No. And honestly, it shouldn't fly in Alabama, but it it shouldn't fly anywhere. You're right. No, no. but I mean, honestly, now you can go work at Chick-fil-A full-time and make that much money because that's how much Cody was making. Um, but that was his salary before taxes. So after taxes, it was like about 22,000 a year. Um, which at just for perspective, that's federal poverty level, just so you know, 22,000 is federal poverty level. So, but I, um, I had a specific career path that I wanted to go down and I thought I was going to get a specific job and none of that panned out. None of that worked out for me, um, right after college. And so then I started scrambling, looking for work because you have to work, right? Like we can't just live on 22 K we could, but we didn't want to, um, And so I went to work as a a personal assistant to a wedding planner and floral designer. And it was part-time. He paid me $10 an hour. And then um, I obviously, I was like, I need another job. So I went to this pizza joint that was across the street from our apartment and got a job working waiting tables for $2.15 an hour and got tips on top of that. And then, okay, can we talk about this for a second? How is that legal? How is that legal? Because you make tips. That's the way they can get away with it. That that bothers me so much because it's not the customer's job. Like it's not the customer's job to pay your salary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Keep going. Sorry, I'm fuming. Yeah. So I made two fifteen an hour, and then made tips on top of that, and then um, I wrote articles for a local magazine, um, for $50 a month. And so, so you were just like, all right, I'm just going to find really anything that I can find. I'm going to find a slew of things, whatever I can find. Can I ask you, like, how were you feeling during this time? I'm sure that it was impacting your relationship and your mental health, just feeling like you're drowning in finances and that you don't have enough coming in to not only 
even support your current life, but to pay off this debt that you guys have. I mean, that must have felt so heavy. Well, yeah, it's super depressing. Um, you know, I always say money doesn't um, make you happy, but it sure as hell makes life easier. And so, I mean, it just does. Like, it can make your life easier on so many levels. It removes a strain. It's a tool. Absolutely. Um, me and Cody are not people who scream, yell, and fight in our house. That's not how we run our household. Um, but in that time frame, um, there wasn't a lot of yelling, but there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of frustration because for me, I was like, look, I married you. I'm in this. Like, I don't care that you have this, but like, I need you to pay attention to what we're doing. And he was so full of shame. He was so embarrassed that this is what he had brought into our marriage that it was like, he didn't want to engage. He did not want to engage about it at all. Um, it was not, it was not like an area where we were thriving. Um, we were drowning and we weren't communicating. He would say like, Oh, sorry. I had to I'd be like, where's my, the car didn't pass at the grocery store. Like, where, why don't we have any money in the account? And it's like, well, sorry. Like they're, you know, I co-signed with this aunt and like, they're calling her needing the money. And I had to go, I had to just send her a bunch of money, like to make sure that she didn't have to pay that fee or that loan or whatever. Like those things were happening. And it was just like, we weren't conversing because it was, he didn't want to face it and deal with what was going on. And he was so ashamed. And like, now when he talks about, it, he was like, I was so full of shame and so like embarrassed that I had done this to us. And I didn't want my wife, the person who didn't bring this in to be the one who drug us out of it. Like I wanted it to be me, but I didn't know how to do it. And I was so embarrassed to even like try, if that makes any sense. Um, super depressing. Like you can't think straight a lot of days because you're so tired for me. I just can remember that season of life being so exhausting because I was working till I was blue in the face and there still wasn't enough. Like yeah, the, the emotional weight of that. I mean, it yeah. is so crazy how much our like emotions can impact our body physically. Yeah. Like you were saying, guilt, shame, like strain in relationships, um, resentment, like all of those things are so heavy and it's an emotional burden. Yeah. 100%. Oh yeah. And you know, for us, it was like, we were working hard. It's not like we weren't working or weren't trying. It was just like right. at the end of the day, it was so much and we couldn't, we couldn't do anything else. And for me, I was like, let's look at Dave Ramsey. Like I took this in high school. Like, this is what we can do. We need to put this much. Well, and he'd be like, no, we have like, you have to build credit. You have to have credit. You can't cut credit cards in half. Like we have to have credit. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you don't pay your credit cards back, you have really crappy credit. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> So like, I feel like that just goes to show though. So many people just don't understand, like have the financial literacy. I mean, most of us don't, most of us didn't grow up with it. Like you just think, Oh, a credit card. Like how do I build credit? Well, I have to use a credit card, but yeah, that only works if you pay it back. (laughs) Like your credit only builds if you pay it back, if it's neutral as opposed to being in debt. So when did, when did you and Cody, start seeing the light. Like, I want to see when was the turn in this story? Cause I'm just like, man, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So about a year into our marriage, we, um, we went to a conference in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, it was a church conference. There was a speaker we really wanted to go here and listen to. Um, and so we literally like packed peanut butter and jelly sandwiches 
And I called my best friend from high school because she lived in Nashville. And I was like, Hey, we'll be in Franklin. Can we crash at your place? Like at night in between this conference. And she was like, sure. So we went to stay with her. And at the time, her husband at the time worked for Dave Ramsey. And we went up there. Um, actually, he is like a spokesperson for Ramsey now, has a podcast now. His name's George Camel. It's this dude changed our lives. So we went to stay with them. And I can remember sitting at her kitchen table talking to her. And have you ever been in a conversation where like someone's talking to you, but you're listening to someone across the room? Like, of course, we all have. Yeah, like not engaged at all. Like, so my best friend from high school is like jabbering away. And I can hear George talking to Cody and I can hear him saying, like, so how much student loan debt do you have, man? Like, he's like asking him like really stuff that I'm embarrassed about. I'm like, personal questions. Yeah. Personal, personal. And I'm like, holy crap. Oh my gosh. And Cody is just telling him like, he's <laughs> like, yeah, that's 72,000 blah, grace periods up, you know, like all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap. Oh my gosh. Like internally, like so embarrassed all that. Well, George gets up and walks to the bookshelf and cans Cody a book and says, Hey man, read this book. And let me know what you think. So the book was The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. We don't discuss his conversation with George. We go home. Cody reads this book in two days. Wow. Two days. It totally ingests this book. And we get up really early in the morning to like read, pray, journal, drink coffee, just like get our day started. And we're sitting in our living room in this like crappy apartment that we lived in. And Cody, it could make me cry, but he got up from his chair and he got down in front of me, got on his knees, grabbed my hands. And he said, I need you to forgive me for where I've put us. And I need you to trust me on the path that I'm going to take us on because I'm going to get us, get us out of this. I'm going to do it. And I'm so sorry that I've put us where we are. It was like this kind of moment where I want to say like, you know, heaven opened and glitter fell and like everything changed, (laughs) but like, (laughs) but it didn't, but it was a trans, a transformation in him that we needed. And, you know, every, like every now and then we'll joke like, oh, I only was saying it to you for a year. I was only telling you to listen to Dave Ramsey for a year and you had to hear another man tell you to listen to Dave Ramsey and go like you went and changed your mind. But the reality was, is that it had to be Cody's choice. It had to be him that like looked into it and figured it out. And it had to be him that decided that he was going to shake off that shame and get to work. And And he did like, it was like the next day Cody had printed off the zero based budget off of the Ramsey website and was like, we're going to start doing this. Like, I want you to read this book too. I'm going to make sure that we tell like every penny where to go. And so like our first step was we put, we saved up as much money as we could. And we put a thousand dollars in our bank account. Like don't put any more than that because you need to throw the rest of debt. Um, and that was kind of where it all started. We started doing monthly budget meetings where we sat down, we wrote it all out. I mean, Mel, just to be totally honest, like we would have months where it was like, we paid it all. We had a thousand in the bank and we would have like $9 for two weeks. And it would be like, okay, this is where we are. We've had, we've- how, how would you survive on $9 for like a week? Well, I'm talking about like, we would have our grocery budget budgeted out we would have you know gas budgeted we would have everything like extra yes but like what was left over would be like nine dollars wow. <laughs> so like wow. you know we bought like in that time frame we ate sweet potatoes black beans rice 
peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like that was our diet. That was how we like, we didn't eat out. We would eat at families' houses and, you know, all of those things. But if friends invited us out to eat, we ate before we eat a sandwich and go drink water and hang out with friends. Like we had to just make choices that looked different because the reality was, is that this debt wasn't going anywhere unless we chose to put it away. And so like, that's where we started. And I, I have a question because sure. I know that some people are going to be listening to this and everyone has the, has a different mindset. I think you and I probably have a pretty similar mindset. And the mindset is that, you know, if you have this much debt and it's causing this much emotional burden and just like PTSD and mm-hmm. surrounding money and finances, that it would be worth it to go the extra mile to go like this quote unquote extreme of budgeting, saving, like not eating out with friends, whatever, but you're going to have people on the flip side who are going to be like, absolutely not. Like I, I'm not going to be a slave to my bank account. Like I'm, I refuse to not be able to like have dinner with a friend or like, what would you say to someone who has that mindset? Okay. So there is a, a verse that my dad used to always say to me growing up. And Cody and I say this all the time. You can say that you don't want to be a slave to your bank account, but a man in debt is a slave to the lender. So you're a slave anyways. It doesn't matter if you're choosing to not be a slave to it month by month and you're still going to go buy drinks with friends and do that thing. You're still in debt. You're still a slave to the person who lended you money. So the reality is if you can either get out of bondage to that debt faster Mm -hmm. or you can choose the slower route and you will, you're a slave either way. Right. But and, I think, and I think what people don't understand is the slower route means you're going to end up paying more over time because yes. let's say you have like, like Cody, let's say, for example, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. the interest that you're going to pay on that versus a thousand dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. And it compounds over time. It yes. compounds, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because you That's owe more. Sorry, that was my computer. Sorry. I was like, what was that? But in that debt compounds, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then as you owe more debt, then you're paying more on the interest for the debt that you owe. And it's this like vicious cycle. So I just wanted to get your take on that because I know some people are like anti-Dave Ramsey or like they they just think it's extreme. And sure, it's extreme. But I, I mean, I totally understand that route of like, I would personally rather be a slave in extreme measures personally for a year or two versus five years of slow pain being like a slave to, to the bank or whatever. And for perspective, Cody's. So we got rid of the, we sold a, a truck. We got rid of the car payment. We got rid of the credit card debt. His, his student loan debt was 11% interest rate. Oh my God. That is so high. So our percentage month, like our minimum monthly payment was $952 and 58 cents a month. (sighs) And we're on like a $30,000 a year annual income. (laughs) That that does give so much perspective. And really quickly, I just want to, I want to shed light on this because my voice, um, when I graduated from college, I had maybe about like 15 to 20, somewhere in between there, $1,000 in debt, which is relatively low compared to a lot of other people. Um, but because I had such good credit, because I had worked on having good credit, 
I was able to then go to a third party. Um, it's called Lightstream, where they only loan out money to those who have high credit. Like you literally have to have a certain credit score or higher, or they will not. Um, and I think it's somewhere in the 800. So it's got to be like high. Um, and I, I took out a loan for $20,000 from Lightstream yeah. because their interest rate was like, 1.5%. It was crazy Holy low. And my student loan interest rate was like, you know, similar. I don't know, five, seven, eight, who knows? I yeah. don't remember now, but it was, it was like significantly higher. So I was like, well, man, I'd rather pay interest on this than that. And I think these are the kinds of decisions that people who are like aware of their finances make. Like you're aware of how your debt compounds and, and how the, the money that you owe on interest, mm -hmm. how that works. I just wanted to put that out there because I think it's so important for you to have that money mindset of like, okay, there's always a better or like alternative route. It doesn't just have to be the way that it is. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so true. And I think it really, it just has to be your perspective on how desperately you want out of where you are. Yes. And so for Cody and I, we started paying attention to like, okay, we want our future to look a specific way. And right now, if we don't change what we're doing and we aren't serious about it, and we aren't even drastic about it, then we're not going to see a transformation in our future anytime soon. And, and so generational poverty and generational like trauma surrounding finances, you know, yes. Like, yes. you don't want your daughter or your son to grow up in a household where they're also, where they carry the weight of what you carried with your parents or Cody and his parents. Like you want them to be financially savvy. Exactly. Exactly. And so we, we buckled down and over time, we changed jobs, right? So after, you know, we started, we actually started our own coffee company. Um, we built it in cash and we had a little bicycle cart and we would get up at four in the morning and make coffee and sell coffee on the sidewalk. And then Cody would go to his full-time job. And then I would go to my other job. I worked for, um, a nonprofit, um, in West Montgomery. And so most of my work, like my in-person work had to be in the afternoon. So I would sell coffee in the mornings and then I would go work at this place in the afternoon. So just for the storyline, did you like, are you, did you buy this coffee cart before getting out of debt or were you still in debt? Okay. No, we bought it. We bought so you it, saw we it as opportunity to make income to help lower your debt. And you guys were like, okay, this is going to be a good investment. Yeah. So okay. we, we had the cash. We, we bought, it was like this little bicycle cart, like I mean, <laughs> cheap, Cheap, cheap. Okay. <laughs> that was cute. Yes. Oh, it was so cute. I was buy coffee from you, Laura Bell. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. We roasted our own coffee. Um, we did, we did all the work, um, set outside in downtown Montgomery and sold coffee. Um, we did basically every, everything you could dream of to just find extra streams of income. Um, a lot of every Monday morning I would get up at about 4 30 and I would drive to the county over for my dad's company. I would, my dad creates um, stencils for the U S military to label their bombs and missiles. And so I would take all those stencils to like this government based location and drop them off. And my dad would pay me a hundred dollars to do that like round trip. And so that was like hundred extra dollars, like hundred dollars a week that I was just grabbing and like doing extra work, anything that I could do to make more money to put towards debt. 
Um, and a lot of time in that time frame, all of our friends were getting married and they were like, I found this great dress. It's only $500, you know, oh, like, I know, I know. Don't, I don't even want to talk about the whole wedding thing. Like all of the um, ways that I've been like a part of, I feel like were when I was not doing financially well. And it's like, oh yeah, here's this $300 dress, like buy it, wear it once. I don't yes, know. I think that's this bachelorette trip that is going to cost you seven, eight hundred dollars. Like, I yeah. mean, I was the girl that came on those trips with an envelope of cash and like, this is what I have to spend. And <laughs> this is like, I'm that's not going for it. Okay. So, so, my will. <laughs> so, okay. So then, so what, at what point was there a turn in your finances where you were like, okay, we are finally like making way here with making enough money. So it was like, you guys got a new job. Then you had this coffee cart thing and you were finally making enough money to start really paying down your debt. Is that so okay. that's what percentage, money. sorry, but what percentage, I'm just curious. And I think people listening might want to know like what percentage of your finances monthly, if you can remember just like, um, about roundabout, we're going towards our debt versus like other things. I honestly could not tell you that. Um, all I know is that we would budget out everything that we had to pay, like our rent, our inch, our insurance, like grocery bills, gas, whatever. We paid all of that. And then it was like everything else. Wow. Okay. So a lot of it. Probably like a lot. You you could say you could probably assume maybe like half your income was going to one hundred percent. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. That's yes, a lot. We were we were fighting so hard for it, and we I mean you have to think our minimum payment was nine hundred fifty four dollars a month, like minimum or nine fifty two. It was nine fifty four fifty eight a month. That was nine fifty four. So just that was just the minimum, like. So we were paying on top of that. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like we were making great coverage, but we were, we literally put everything that was left over the way that the zero based budget works is that at the end of like you land at zero. So you put, you allocate where you put all of your money until you hit zero. So that, that means whatever you have left over, you're going to spend it on brand new clothes. So be it. But that's where you put your money. You've decided that that's where you're going to put it. And so that's what we were doing. We were putting all of the leftovers towards our debt. Um, in that time frame, Cody started um, a business where he was fixing foundations on homes. So going in structural damage to homes, he was going in and fixing that. And that raised our income. Um, I worked for the nonprofit. My income went up. We had the coffee cart that went up. Um, so we started seeing a rise. We probably went from making like 30,000 to a combined income of like 55,000. Like we kind of still extremely low, but yeah. comparatively was, is so much better. Right. <laughs> like, so <laughs> like it was, it was drastic. So in this time frame, it was around this season where when we were, we were working, we were doing, we were trying to pay it off. It felt, it still felt overwhelming. Just felt like it was all we could think about and all we could do. And yes, people made comments to us and you don't have to be so extreme and you don't have to do this. But at the end of the day, the two of us were like, this is where we work well as a team. And we're not changing that. You may work better as a team with your spouse going at a slower pace, but for me and Cody, we weren't, we didn't work well as a team unless we were doing what we were doing. Well, and also it's not their, it's not their burden to live with, you know exactly. what I mean? So mm -hmm. if you, if you want to deal with it that way, then 
so be it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Live your life that way. But it was in that time frame that we um, started looking at, you know, okay, what are things in our lives that we could lower the cost of monthly? Could we lower our grocery budget monthly? Could we lower how much gas money we're spending, whatever. And the highest portion of what we were doing was, was our cost of living. Um, and I know that for any person in California listening, this is going to seem like nothing, but our rent was $650 a month. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, do you want, do you know, my rent is like four times the cost of that. I know Mel. Okay. I know. <laughs> so I'm not bragging. I hate it. I think it, we, I think us Californians and people who have high rent, we just, love to talk about it because we really need to let the anger out. out. Oh, when I listen to how much money people in California spend to live, I'm like, why do you live in California? Oh my gosh. I will say, I think I, and I, and I know it varies based on your industry and your position, but I do know that like people, you know, there are higher paying opportunities, I think, especially because it's a higher cost of living, but I don't know that that, I don't know that that levels out. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've always wondered, like, how do you work at Target and live in California? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you our minimum wage here in San Diego, and it could have gone up, but the last I heard within this last year, it was about like 15, 16. Okay. So yeah. what's minimum wage where you're at? Um, I think it's like $8. $9. Okay, so it's twice as much. Yeah, 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 for sure. But again, our rent is like three to four times as much. That's what I'm saying is I don't know where it levels out. I don't know if it fully equates to exactly. make it. Exactly. The cost of living yeah. is what you're paid. So anyways, yeah. what, um, so how long, how long in just to kind of get an idea for people mm-hmm. who are like, okay, I'm hearing this story. How long was it from start to finish of like, all right, we're approximately $100,000 in debt and now we're at zero. Okay, so this is where things changed. And that's going to wrap up our first part of our two-part episode with Laura Bell. I hope that you truly enjoyed this first part and just getting to know her debt journey, where she comes from. This girl's a wealth of knowledge. Um, In the next episode, we really get into how things finally clicked for her and her husband. And we're also going to get into their journey of real estate and making residual and passive income for them and their family. So I hope that you enjoy and stay tuned for next week's part two.